I'm Dr Cathy Stenier. I'm a senior lecturer in the Department of Medicine and the Centre for Brain Research at the University of Auckland in New Zealand. How is MRI in particular useful in predicting outcomes in stroke? Well, MRI can give us some quite useful information about the size and the location of the stroke and the brain structures that have been affected. And, you know, in general, the larger the stroke lesion, the worse the outcomes for that person. But there are some really important exceptions to this. So, for example, in the motor system, a very small lesion can create profound impairments and disability if it just happens to damage key centres or pathways in the motor network. So it's not as simple as just looking at the scan to see how big the stroke is. And this is probably why therapists don't usually look at their patient's scans when they're planning their rehab, because it is actually quite difficult to accurately predict the outcomes for individual patients just by looking at a scan. And that's really the challenge that Nick and I were discussing in the review article. You know, how can we use perhaps more advanced imaging techniques to give more useful information for the individual patient? And how common is it then to use these procedures in stroke management units? Well, most patients, I think, these days in tertiary-level hospitals will, will have a brain scan of some kind. CT is pretty much standard, and many but not all patients will also have an MRI scan. Uh, but it's not usually for the purposes of planning rehabilitation. It's to get an idea of the type of stroke and which structures have been affected. So it's actually quite uncommon to integrate imaging information with rehabilitation planning at the moment. And that's something that we're trying to change by working out uh, what are the key elements of a scan that will give you useful prognostic information for individual patients? So that sounds great, but I imagine there are barriers for the use of this technology. What are they? I think the main one, surprisingly, isn't the technology itself. You know, most hospitals have MRI scanners. People are very good at getting excellent quality scans with patients even quite soon after stroke. I think the real barrier is figuring out which bit of information can give us the best um, prediction for that particular person. And this is exercising a lot of neuroscience researchers and clinical researchers all around the world at the moment. You know, there's so many different things that we could measure on an MRI scan. Um, so which thing is going to be the most useful? Because obviously we can't do everything for every patient. <laughs> we need to pick something and preferably something pretty straightforward and that doesn't take much time to get a clear answer from. So I think the actual barrier is uh, being able to choose from such a large range of parameters and working out which one we really need to know when planning for rehab. And I guess another question then is, can all patients actually access this diagnostic tool anyway? Well, like I said, I think, I think many but not all uh, hospitals do have you know, advanced imaging techniques like MRI and even functional MRI. And so the access issue still, I think, comes back to uh, do the staff in the hospital setting actually have the skills needed to get the right information out of those scans? And so there's two parts to that. One is that the scientists and the researchers need to get on and find out, you know, which parameters, which bits of information are most important. And then they need to transfer this knowledge and transfer that skill to the clinicians working in the hospital environment so that they're able to get that information for themselves 
uh, without needing a scientist in the room to help them uh, get the right numbers and know what they mean. So there's, there's really two parts to it. It's developing the right protocol and then translating it into clinical practice. So at the moment, I'd say access is really only available to people who are lucky enough to be enrolled as a participant in a study that's looking at these questions, whereas I think for other patients, you know, I don't think the access is actually there yet. That leads me to another question. Is there enough evidence-based data to actually justify the cost of MRI for rehabilitation patients to hospitals? <laughs> we're working on it. <laughs> you know, we're trying to build that evidence base now. And, you know, cost, cost is a really big factor. You know, it has to be at the front of your mind whenever you're considering introducing um, a new use for an existing technology. And so, you know, one of the things that we're working on here in Auckland is figuring out if there are other things that we can measure first which will tell us that actually we don't need a scan on this patient. You know, are there other things that we can do before we pop them in the scanner that means we don't need the scanner at all? Because that would be a more efficient way to approach the same problem. So, for example, we're quite interested in recovery of hand and arm function and we're testing an algorithm at the moment where we do a quick 30-second bedside clinical assessment um, if people pass that, then we stop there. And if they don't, then we use transcranial magnetic stimulation just to test the pathways from the brain to the hand. And if they pass that, we stop there. But if they don't, only then do they get a ride on the scanner. So that's actually quite a small proportion of patients who need a scan. And that scan is actually critical for telling us whether they have any potential to recover meaningful movement in that hand and arm. That's an important bit of information for anyone planning rehabilitation for that patient. So you've given us quite a picture there. So I guess what do you predict will be the future for stroke rehab and imaging then, say, 10 years down the track or five years down the track? Gosh, okay, I'll dream big. Uh, (laughs) I think it would be great if we could probably use a range of tools, a little bit like what I've just described, so that we can use imaging for the people that we really needed to resolve uncertainty about their prognosis. Right? It might be that we can make an accurate prognosis easily with less sophisticated tools, but there'll always be a group of patients which those simpler tools just aren't sophisticated enough to really give us a clear picture. And so I think the future of rehab would be fantastic if we knew which patients we needed to scan and then were able to get a simple piece of information from that scan to tell us what to expect for that person's recovery after stroke and how perhaps we can tailor the rehabilitation plan to make sure they reach their full potential for recovery after stroke. And I, and I think imaging's not the whole picture, obviously, pardon the pun, um, but there'll be lots of other things that perhaps come into it in the future of rehab, such as the patient's genotype. But, you know, we think that might have a big impact on the way their brain recovers from stroke and the way they relearn to do things. So I think there'll be a range of existing tools, like genotyping and imaging, which exist now, but we'll find hopefully clever ways to apply them in stroke rehabilitation to make it a more efficient and more sort of productive process that's really tailored to the individual patient. I guess I hit you with just sort of a big picture, double barrel kind of question now. So can imaging and neurophysiological data contribute to predictive models, not of outcome but for the potential for therapy-driven improvements in function? Yeah, that is such a great question, and I think the, the distinction is really important. So there's a big difference between final outcome versus the dose response, if you like, to a certain type of therapy. 
So we're trying to get at this at the moment with a study we're running here in Auckland where we're measuring the therapy dose and looking at how the response to a range of therapy doses can be predicted using these types of neurophysiological and neuroimaging measures. So there's obviously a a range of responses that someone might have to a given therapy dose, and and it might be that the sorts of algorithms we're testing uh, can tell us, you know, what potential does this person have to respond to therapy in general or even to respond to a specific type of therapy or therapy modality. It's, It's really exciting because getting to that point will let us, I think, really tailor what we do in rehab. At the moment, it is a little bit... Of, well, we'll try, lo- we'll try lots of things in therapy and hopefully something will work. Um, and I think we can probably refine it quite well using these sorts of tools. You've been listening to a podcast interview with Professor Cathy Stanier from Auckland University and Carmen Leif Jenkins, Managing Editor of the International Journal of Stroke. The International Journal of Stroke is the flagship publication of the World Stroke Organisation. Please consider becoming a member. For increasing your CPD... Why not try the World Stroke Academy now online? The World Stroke Academy is the educative arm of the World Stroke Organization.